My ankles were itching. I thought about why they might be doing that, and then I realized I hadn't scratched them in 56 years. I leaned down to get the deed done. Relief for another few decades, it seemed. I watched the sun lazily trace its path over the sky. Even watching its infernal glow now, I couldn't help but remember the times when it went by much faster. Or maybe my perception of time had simply sped up with the ages. No, that didn't make any sense. If I felt time was going faster, then the sun should be running faster too. It was simply because Arizel wasn't pulling it that it had resorted to this lazy jaunt. Speaking of that thrice-cursed coward, where were they? We had agreed to meet here five centuries prior, on the date of October 15, 1965. But I was the only one who'd shown up. It stood to reason that the others were dead. That was what the meeting was supposed to be about, wasn't it? First Termos, then Ergaz, and finally Mira. Seven became four, and the four became desperate. But desperation needed a plan. There was an enemy, some creeping malignancy of the world's birth chaos that was out to eliminate us, then we had to put a body to it, a phenomenon. Nobody whose face we did not know could be an enemy, not effectively. But they never showed up. It wasn't like them. Okay, it was like Arizel, but not like the others. They remembered their commitments even when they were bogged down by them. But time had passed their commitments by. So there were only a few conclusions I could draw. They were gone, too. Or they had changed. Either way, they were not going to show up. So then why did I continue waiting? I'd reached that revelation 55 years ago, but I was still waiting. The time never pressed down on me, not like it did on the others. They were all too flighty. 98,000 years, and they were still acting as though they were as short-lived as humans. Each day was the last. But I'd seen too many days. A day was nothing. Storms, wars, extinction. What did it mean? It would all be back sooner or later, never mind the assailant. Never mind the void. Creation always persevered. But then there was just me, now. Me and maybe a couple of my delinquent brethren. It was not a burden I could handle, even if it was placed on me. It had been another year. My ankle was already itching again. In annoyance, I reached down to scratch it once again. If there was an itch anywhere in my nerves, it meant Johas was still around. Either that or I'd consumed her essence, which wasn't likely. I'd noticed when Termos evaporated. So Johas was still alive. Imprisoned, perhaps. Forgetful of our meeting spot, even more probable. They'd spent so much time around the little ones that they'd begun to process memory like them too. Their minds had become as spastic as one doomed to death. Three more years. I plucked the strings of creation per the required patterns just as in the regulation we had set out. I could not see the imprints of other hands. Things were getting worse for the little ones, much, much worse. There was no water, somehow, even though we'd made sure to cover the entire planet. There were no fertile soils, somehow, even though I'd personally given soul to trillions of worms. Somehow. And yet the others still didn't show up. Luckily, though, my ankle was not itching. Five years. The island itself grew more brown and yellow, the greens of verdant creation fading under mismanagement. I plucked the strings that I knew, the only ones I could reasonably wield. The others were not observant. 
The others were dead. No, not just dead. Gone. The nights were darker, not in a literal sense, but my newfound knowledge lent a sinister tone to them. I was waiting. It was what I was meant to do. I plucked the strings, I scratched my ankles. The outside was embroiled in apocalyptic tension, but no one opened their eyes. I was looking out at the sea now. Not the sun. Not the sun. The sight was less delicately brilliant, and more brutal. Hostile, even. The waves glue red with algae, the remaining water having sunk into murky midnight green tones. Were there fish still in there? It was not my string to pull. I had the harp in my hands, and I could not even pluck it. I didn't know how. I couldn't know how. It wasn't our way. The sun moved at the same pace, though. I briefly watched it from the corner of my eye. Nobody was guiding it. The north froze deeper than it ever had before, even whilst the lands down south boiled. And still I was waiting. There was no other place to go, no one else to make a covenant with. Then the little one dragged himself from the sea. He was an ordinary sort, it seemed. At least that was how he looked on the surface. Everything normal, tangled with algae and seawater, the kink sealed into his suit by the roiling tides. All that was unusual was his lack of eyes, but the little ones sometimes lost them. But he saw me. He saw me. A little one acknowledged my existence. I could feel a temptation to smile on his gut as he approached me. But I was not for smiling. I was for... What could he possibly want? What could the little one ever gain from letting the strings go unplucked? Vengeance, yes. Vengeance for the weeping madness which had birthed him, us, and the strings themselves. The world outside was more terrible for his kindred than it had ever been before. It was getting worse. By his actions, yes, but he could never convince himself of that. So he went on to devour the others. The only one left was me. And where will you go, little one? I asked. The little one did not answer. The answer is important, little one. You cannot become the place. So there must be a place that you will go. The little one still gave no answer. The little one still gave no answer, but I understood with the hatred burning where his eyes would be meant. There were plenty of places, they said. The whole world was theirs now, as silent as it must be for his freedom. Where was he going to go? It didn't matter. That sort of meaning was behind him. You need a place, little one. This vigil is not for you. Again, the silent fire. Who was I to say that the vigil was not his inheritance? Who was I to say that his life only gained meaning by juxtaposition? The meaning didn't matter. It had stopped mattering long ago. There was my creator. They could be usurped as well, and then theirs, and theirs, and theirs, and theirs, and... Are you happy, little one? The eyeless man howled with fury and misery. Happy? What sort of question was that? The world had been born broken, he had been made broken in it, and none of it could ever have been fixed. Inherently broken things could not be happy. Not perfectly happy, little one, no. 
but still happy, or at least content. So much hatred in what could have been wisdom. Your happiness does matter, little one. We never meant to assure it for you, for there is meaning elsewhere, too. Meaning? Meaning. Always this terrible, horrible word. Meaning. The forces which created him would turn him to dust soon, and then all that was accomplished would be for nothing. The earth would crash into the sun, the sun would sputter out, and the very forces which had knit the universe together would collapse into their own exhaustion. Meaning. You have no concept of infinity, little one. But that is not our fault. When you understand the infinite, you cannot help but treasure the finite. Not because one is better, but simply because both are. These words meant nothing. No, not in the sense of meaning, but in the sense of language. It was exhausting listening to this old fool. Things had been worse, so they would be worse again, and worse again still. I had nothing more to say to the eyeless one. It had chosen its path, and, in violation of its own nihilistic crusade, it would devote its meaning to the path until the end. So it had to be. But I would not forfeit the vigils so easily. Nihilus One might have slain a million of his brethren or several of mine. It might have brought the world close to the entropy it told itself it despised, but it could not change things, not fundamentally. Perhaps no one ever could. The eyeless behemoth lunged at me, its fingers hewn into scimitars. It wished for my heart, for my life, for my powers, for an answer, a relief. But more than anything, it wished for sleep. It could not understand what it had found, and it was angry for it. So angry. So fundamentally angry at the nature of creation that it could never create anything, let alone something good. It could only destroy. Yet there were others who could destroy. There were concepts out there that the eyeless man could never understand in his study, forces he could never conquer with guns or knives. In one moment, I'd let the first syllable fall into the world. As all songs must, the first syllable led in the second, then the third, and so on, until the tune was in full swing. Only here now, but soon everywhere where the eyeless plague had affected our children. The sky swarmed with cinders. It almost matched the tone of the sea. I could hear their song so very close, yet so very far off could almost divine words in the tune, but that was only ever because you mistook the meaningless noise for something, well, meaningful. And yet somehow, that was still okay. 